0: Hello and welcome to the Common Geeking Program. We are a book club style podcast where each episode we discuss a different topic from our own geeky and nerdy perspectives. Uh, I am your host Jeff Levitt and uh, this week we're going to be taking a look at the series Undone which is on uh, Amazon Prime. I am uncertain if this is based on anything so you're gonna have to fill me in there. Sure. But uh, this time around, I'm joined by two fellow nerds
1: who can introduce themselves. Who are you? Hi, my name is Colin. Um, I like this I, I, I'm a fellow. I'm a fellow nerd. So he, you nailed the description. Beyond that, you'll have to find out for yourself.
0: What on God's green earth does that fucking mean? That was the
1: most cryptic thing you could have possibly said. I'm not here to make sense. I'm here to make podcasts. <laughs> fair enough
2: uh, hi i'm timel or chatter whichever you prefer uh because of springtime allergies uh my nose is just gross and snotty and i just i hate it
0: love that awesome. so do we so as much of that as we edit out of this episode you can just know in your heart of hearts that it is happening yeah, lots of lots of sniffles from chowder. if
1: at the thirty-four minute mark, you think there has been nary a sniffle in this episode, you should give the editor a clap on the back and chowder if it is not if he is not the editor, uh, an allergy pill.
0: Like if there's no sniffles, you could just know that they're there, waiting, watching
1: the agency of sniffles, and you'll
0: have no idea how many how many of them there actually are. But all right, guys, we are going to start off by summarizing and discussing our little topic, and then end off with a rating section where we decide. Whether or not uh we found it enjoyable, um so yeah, you guys want to just pop on into the summary
1: i yeah, I'm not feeling particularly hilarious or clever today, so I have nothing uh, nothing to do until that point
0: <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> there's that's you just delivered me that, and there's just so many fucking backhanded comebacks I could make to that that i just my i just brain blanked. you
1: you could and and any of them yeah any of them would have made you more clever or hilarious than i am being at the moment yeah just f's in the chat all around
0: f's in the chat all around All right, guys, let's uh, start off with our summary here. So
1: um, I kind of want to, before we talk about this topic, I want to just recap how we selected it which yeah. was like two weeks of us <laughs> not being able to decide on something. And I said, I don't know. I'm watching this. And Jeff was like, I'll, I'll watch the trailer. And like later that day had finished the whole show. That was like yesterday. And today we're like, yeah. "Chatter, what are you doing? He's like, I'm binging it all right now. It's very um,
0: bingeable. It's in extremely my
1: bingeable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chatter, did you happen to finish the show in the roughly 10 minutes we had between planning and execution?
2: Uh, I mean, I was able to finish the first season. That's
1: impressive. Oh, nice.
0: Pretty good. Oh well, God, you liked it so much that so I'm gonna feel bad about spoilers for the second season. But I really do have to talk about the second we season. We have <laughs>
1: to talk about the second
0: season. You
2: know, you know, just tell me because, like, I don't, I don't, or I feel like uh, even if I know the spoilers, I will still enjoy the journey. I will still enjoy this journey, so it's fine. But we'll,
0: at the very least, start off with Season 1, of which you are very familiar. But yes, uh, we are taking a look at Undone, which, uh, as I mentioned previously, is an animated series on Amazon Prime. Uh, It's animated primarily through rotoscoping, which, if you're unfamiliar, is basically like they do live-action footage and then essentially digitally trace all of the characters like frame by frame so you get this weird sort of like cartoony yet very realistic looking art style yeah. which is really interesting uh, they only do that with the actual people themselves all of the backgrounds are painted yeah which is you know it, it, it's worth yeah. mentioning because the the show itself is like it's this weird sort of like time travel surreal story which is like I mean we'll get into it when we when we go over the plot a little yeah. bit but the art style I will say suits it very well because yeah. it, it it creates the rotoscoping specifically creates this sort of like weird uneasiness where it, it it is just hitting a little bit too close to home for it to really feel like yeah. a you know animation but is clearly different than looking at live action.
1: It 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 plays with your perceptions because and I and yeah. I think it's good that we're talking about the um The art style first, because I remember when the show first came out a couple of years ago, it was something I saw a trailer for
2: 2019 specifically.
1: Yeah, yeah, I watched season one when it came out. So you may I'm glad you guys are going to summarize season one because I don't remember all the details. But uh, I remember watching it and being like, uh, I I saw the trailer and just thought this visually looks crazy because I think the the word I used to describe the whole thing is painterly. It, the yeah, show definitely. is is like a moving painting. And there was actually a Vincent van Gogh movie that they did this with where yeah, they actually have real painters yeah. to rotoscope. Yeah. And the process of rotoscoping is just whatever frame you have, you draw over it. That term applies yeah. to compositing, it applies to animation, it applies to a lot of things. But here it is just they are digitally and actually painting over images to deliver something that resembles real life extremely closely but is also a painting <laughs> yeah, um, and it it's so beautiful and
0: it, you know it does that weird thing too that like you see in a lot of like old cartoons too where like when they're drawing each frame mm-hmm. and you know some cartoons kind of purposely steer into this and kind of accentuate this uh, mm-hmm. aspect but um like when you're drawing each frame they're not each going to be like exactly the same as the last yes. rather than like when you're you know doing it with yeah like 3D models or whatever and you're actually like rigging up the characters and moving them when yeah. you're drawing it and each frame is not exactly the same as the last there's weird little inconsistencies that gives everything like a little bit of like jitteriness uh, like the cartoon that reminds me of that the most is like Ed and Eddie, where like they had really like inconsistent outlines around yeah. the characters. Yeah, it, it was kind of
1: like Jerk. Or, this, I will yeah. say, though, feels less like. It doesn't feel as though, like, it's a problem. It adds to the sort of trippy nature of it. No, I for mean, sure.
0: I, I mean, I don't think it's a problem in, in other stuff, I in, like, Ed and Eddie, either. It's just, like, it's, it's, a, it's a method of giving it energy when things aren't yeah. physically moving. Because, like, if you look at, at this in particular, uh, with the rotoscoping, it's interesting from, like, frame to frame, they might kind of interpret where they're going to be putting lines on, you know, to, like, create form on the characters, mm-hmm. like... You know, so the line of where of what starts their chin might be a little bit different frame yeah. to frame when they're like moving around. So stuff kind
1: of like pops around a little bit. A fun comparison for for folks that don't totally grasp what we're talking about. Like, obviously, just watch a trailer for Undone. Just Google Undone trailer and you will yeah. immediately be stricken. Whether you like it or not, you'll be stricken by the aesthetic. Um, but uh, something that has developed in between seasons one and two is the popularity of the YouTube channel by Joel Haver. Haver. I don't know which it <laughs> is.
2: I know what you're talking about, yeah.
1: So this is this is an example of somebody who does animation, and I've used this software too just to mess around with it. Uh, it's called Ebsynth, which uses AI to, like, you rotoscope one frame and then it extrapolates from there. And yeah. watching those videos between seasons one and two made my watching of season two much different because I was suddenly keyed into, like, because the AI is not, Flawless, you can see much more clearly those inconsistencies when the frame is drawn differently and when it switches from yeah. one drawing to the next. And it's much more subtle in something as high budget and uh, expertly executed as undone. But like watching these things informed my experience of the other in a really interesting way. I enjoy them both, but uh, if you're looking for a comparison of something else that is rotoscope rotoscopy in modern media <laughs> look up joel haver's channel it's much more lo-fi but it's the same idea and uh, yeah. it's and I mean, in it, both cases know. it's used to great stylistic effect
0: it's been a style that's been around for a very long time too because like yeah. uh
1: it's not it's not super mainstream though there's a,
0: like I, I remember like early on in this podcast i think keenan i wasn't on this episode but keenan had some of us watch yeah. the wi- wizard right and that's another rotoscopes Wizards. movie Wizards, oh, yeah. d-
1: was that was that Ralph Bakshi okay, back in like Ralph the seventies Bash- and stuff? Yeah, he, yeah, because yeah, he did a, a uh, that was a big part of his uh, that was a big part of his style. Anyway, uh, I think the art style. Uh, what really grabbed me about it is just that it looks so unusual because it's yeah. rotoscoped. It looks so much like real life, but it also looks like a painting. And it's just it. Even if you don't understand what's happening the first time you look at it, you're, you're just going to be like, "This is interesting." Yeah. And I because of that alone, just the aesthetic, I turned on the show and was blown away by how good it was. What what struck me at first though was that you know part of the reason you do something like animation as your decided medium is you want to leverage the freedom that the art style offers. You can do things in animation you can't do in live action and in other places. Um, mm-hmm. so, and the show starts off like so mundane. Yeah. It's just people driving and walking and sitting. And, and honestly, for like 80% of the show, it's pretty normal stuff just rendered in this art style. But that other 20%, when yeah. they really lean into the strangeness of it, I'm yeah. like, okay, this is why they went for it. Not only does it give you that unease Jeff was talking about that keeps you in this weird like back-and-forth headspace, uh, when they really go trippy, it works beautifully. Yeah, because yeah.
2: like, like, the whole thing is edited and uh visually like a dream where like in one Mm -hmm. moment you're in one place and then within like another camera cut you're suddenly in another place
1: and it's uh yeah and not in a way that's disorienting
0: yeah
2: yeah or like how someone will be talking to one person and then they're just talking to another person without a skip in the dialogue and it's uh
0: yeah no it is it is very dreamlike and i think the rotoscoping really helps with that because like a lot of that shift in imagery might be a little bit disorienting in live action where you can like more clearly notice when things have obviously Mm -hmm. changed. Um, But yes, we should probably get into the actual sort of narrative and plot of this before we get a little bit too deep in the weeds with the uh the animation and the yeah, art. What's the, style. what's
1: the bird's eye of season one? I we I rewatched the last episode of season one to refresh my mind in season two. It's such a dreamlike show that when season two came yeah. out, I'm like, oh God, this show did exist. It wasn't a goddamn fever dream. Cool. Yeah. I get to watch more. <laughs> it was so strange because it like it happened and then it disappeared for three years.
0: We we can get into specifics, but the sort of elevator pitch for like what the uh the narrative of the show is is you have your main character, Alma, who basically gets into a fight with her sister and then gets into a car crash. And when she comes out of the car crash, she's experiencing these weird sort of like time dilations and dreamlike state where she'll be talking to people in one moment and then she'll be at a different time and place and like basically is skipping around. Like like, like she's experiencing time non-linearly. Yeah, exactly. So, like, some stuff is happening before it actually happens, and then you know, there's lots of stuff informed from that.
2: And there's plenty of times where she's just living the same moment on a time loop, Groundhog
0: Day yep. style. So, yeah. And then, pretty early into the show, and what contributes to her car crash in the first place is she starts seeing uh, her dead father, who died uh, in a car crash as well when they were when her and her sister were little kids. And, uh, basically her father is privy to how all this stuff works and is trying to, like, help her figure out how all this stuff works so that the two of them can figure out who killed him, uh, and basically with, you know, because they're experiencing time non-linearly, linearly, uh, Basically go back in time and stop it from happening so they can change the timeline and have him be present in their lives and not have been yeah. killed.
1: And that's pretty much the whole plot,
0: like the main of you know, season synopsis one. of season
1: one. Yeah, and I and I think what uh, the one thing that I do remember that is really codified in the final episode of the first season is as... Alma is trying to ex- to explore these abilities, her ability to perceive time that way, to experience time and affect time nonlinearly. She uh, is presenting as very unstable to every other human that observes her, yeah. to the point where the show is explicitly sowing doubt in you, the viewer, about whether or not is it's she experiencing happening? these yeah. powers, or is this a form of schizophrenia or or dementia or other mental ailment? Schizophrenia gets called out um explicitly
0: especially because in the like in the narrative of the show as well uh the father's mother was in like a mental institution for her entire adult life because she Uh had you know potentially the same kind of thing uh where it you know may have been schizophrenia or may have been this like otherworldly time power that the people Mm -hmm. in their family possess because that's how he presents it as he presents it, this is something that he was actually researching. And the reason that he was researching it was because mm-hmm. of this experience with his mother, where he always got the sense that, like, she was actually on to something that the rest of the world wasn't really privy yeah. to. It wasn't that she was actually, uh, you know, schizophrenic, you mm-hmm. know. Or, he. I mean, he, they leave it a little bit vague, which I think is good, but he also kind of, like, implies that, like, Anyone who you consider schizophrenic might just have this power, and that in like other cultures, uh this doesn't really yeah. happen as much because those people are taken more seriously, and they become like spiritual leaders and like shamans and stuff yeah. like that. um
1: The show is also it's set in I believe is it is it New Mexico? I don't. It's, San, it's like Antonio. San Antonio, yeah. San Antonio, Texas. the The character of Alma, her mother, is from Mexico, and her father is of jewish descent i think yeah uh, allegedly like uh, emigrated from poland or something like that. that is straight and... up
0: confirmed in the in the second season <laughs> yeah. <laughs> asterisk yeah
1: um to explain the the abilities that she has her father played by bob odenkirk yeah uh, better call saul and breaking bad yeah. fame no is, you know at um,
2: first uh when i was like watching this i was like for a good two episodes i was like is that Is that Kevin Spacey? Why would they hire Kevin
0: Spacey? I look it up. (laughs) I, I look at. No, he has a much taller head than Kevin Spacey. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he's a long boy. Look,
0: look the art, st- the art style was kind of obscuring it a little. I had to. Yeah, look it, it
1: does up, mess but, with okay. it. Okay. Yeah.
2: So, but I had to look it up. But like once I saw Bob Odenkirk, oh, okay, okay, he's in Better Call Saul. I like. Yeah. that guy, he's good. I will.
1: I yeah. I will say that they drew his hair a little thicker than it is in real life, yeah. so I can see how that might throw you off. I was
0: uh I was really I was really thrown by the the main character Alma who uh, I was trying to place (laughs) the entire time before I realized that the other thing that I'd seen her in and why I was finding it so hard to recognize her was another thing that was like sort of live action, but you weren't really getting to recognize her because she is the actress who plays Alita Battle Angel. (laughs) And I was like... Oh, that Uh. makes a lot of sense.
1: (laughs) Rosa Salazar. This actress, the three main things I've seen her in are Alita Battle Angel, in which she is phenomenal, this show, in which she is phenomenal, and a 15-minute Star Trek short where she argues with H. John Benjamin the whole time, in which (laughs) she is phenomenal. Uh, I love this actress, and I want to see her in more. And going back to the art style, Rotoscopy, I mean, it it is very much trying to mimic the footage that it is you know representing they shot all these scenes with cameras yeah. and then drew over them but this approach and i would love to see some more behind the scenes on what their exact pipeline is but even without getting too detailed and displaying the faces they capture so much emotion and expression yeah. and subtlety yeah. In these characters' performances, and it is worth shouting out specific, like, everyone, but specifically the two leads, Rosa Salazar and Bob Odenkirk, there is a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to yeah, their definitely. faces and their hands.
0: I, you know, I noticed it a lot in this in this sister, yeah, and, too.
2: Yeah. Which is an impressive thing, because, like, one of, one of the problems with rotoscoping is that, like... Uh, a lot of, like, the details in facial acting get lost or obliterated. But, yeah. like, they somehow managed to keep that, in. that's impressive.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, the, I I think Jeff was referencing, like, the, the lines that they used to outline, you know, less sharp parts of the face. Like, the rounding off of the nose and the cheek to yeah. clearly define where it ends. Or, like,
0: the fat lines on the chin and the neck and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, but most of the facial detail is done with shading. And, yeah. and the, the, the lighting is so... Accurate to the scenes that are painted behind them, and I don't know how much of the lighting is composited in after the fact like added on as a layer or how much of it is like quote painted in to their rotoscopy pipeline, but the lighting on the face does does so much heavy lifting to show those subtle movements without giving you like lines and wrinkles. Yeah. And it adds to that dreamlike state because you're seeing the emotions that you recognize in a person, but not represented by like the same visual data. It's, yeah. It's, and I, you know, it's subtle and it works. I think a
0: lot of it is communicated with the movement too. Like if you look at yep. any individual frame, I feel like it does kind of fall into the same sort of like problems with uh, rotoscoping in general. Whereas if you look at, you know, all the frames together and how they move, that it really contributes to, like, getting a lot of those more subtle facial features, like how things change Mm -hmm. from frame to frame. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like Colin said, basically, I mean, this isn't as much of an element until, like, very late into the first season, at least the way that I remembered it, or at least what I was thinking, but... Definitely near the end, we're definitely meant to be calling into question whether or not Alma is actually experiencing this or not. It's
1: less explicit earlier in the season, but, like, her boss at the school, like, David Diggs, the whole time is, like, trying to be understanding, (laughs) but she keeps freaking out around kids, and he's like, hey, you're doing a bad job. Like, even if the show isn't telling you doubt her, the other characters are.
0: For sure, but I, I felt like early on in the show it felt more like, oh, she's acting this way because of this weird thing that she's experiencing and everyone else thinks she's crazy because they can't see it. And that makes a total sense. But when I'm like watching the show, I don't, I'm not thinking that way. But then at the end, like, especially in the last episode, it really turns it around where you're like, oh, Oh, maybe she is Yeah, wrong. if we,
1: if we want to dive into wrapping up the season one, and, and nothing we've said so far is really much of a spoiler. Yeah. It's kind of a lot of stuff you can get from the trailer. But if we want to dive right into the end of season one. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, basically what happens is they, th- you know, big spoilers from here on out. They determine that uh, her father, Jacob. Slash Bob Odenkirk actually killed himself and his assistant because he was doing some stuff like experimenting on Alma to try to figure out the powers. Uh, his wife thought he was cheating. Like everything fell apart, so he killed himself. And he's like, "I want to go back and change that." Yeah,
0: and he, it's also presents it like he doesn't, he, like he couldn't remember what actually happened until. Yeah, they it was like it a out. trauma yeah. he
1: couldn't access without Alma's help and Alma's powers. Yeah. Um, So they go back and they alter the timeline or attempt to, but they won't know for sure if it worked until she drives to... uh, Oh, and I lost my thread on this earlier. The reason I wanted to call into uh conversation or heritage is Bob Odenkirk's character the dad is always saying like your ancestors our ancestors yeah. experiences that's sort of like the vague description of where the powers come from yeah so she drives down to a cave in Mexico where she's told this is where the effect will take place the season ends with her looking into the cave if her dad walks out then she changed the timeline and if her dad does not walk out she will believe this is all in her head and yeah. that's like the season 1 cliffhanger and it
0: does a really good job of leaving that ambiguous too i feel Mm. it it does because like we get this like really nice honest conversation with her sister who comes down to meet her and her marriage has fallen apart and now she's like talking to her and being like you know is is meeting her on her terms and is like i'll wait with you as long as you want um and then when you want we'll decide to go and then we can get you help and we can actually work through this together and it's like this really sweet honest conversation about like that you would, you would see someone have with someone who is, like, legitimately struggling with mental health and is there's no supernatural thing about it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then she's, like, basically, like, oh, okay, I'll go wait in the car. And, and Alma's, like, okay, I just want, like, a couple more minutes. And has basically decided to, to go back with her. And then the last shot of the show, or of the season, rather, mm-hmm. is uh, the sun starts coming up in the background. So Alma starts, like, staring more intensely at the cave because, like, you know, when the sun comes up, it, it creates weird things with light. So, like, she might think that she sees something, and the music gets more intense as if you think, oh, maybe this will happen. And then the show ends with her just, like, kind of staring a little bit more intensely into the cave. Yeah. She doesn't get a bit of a smile. There's no, like, sound of a footstep. There's really... In my opinion, at least the way I interpret it, there's really no indication whether or not no. this actually happened, one way
1: or the other. Like it yeah. brings
0: up the music, so you're like, "Ooh, ooh, is it about to happen," but it still leaves you hanging at the end. It leaves you hanging. And yeah. Usually, I'm not a fan of like ambiguous endings, but that that hit really, really well for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like uh... Chatter, yeah. How do you just watch this? How does this hit you?
2: Again, uh, uh, same same as Jeff. It just like you're like at the edge of your seat and it's like, ah, dang, we're not getting the answer yet. But, uh, yeah. And, and like, I think it's smart how like even throughout the story, they, uh, make sure to put it in question. Like there's this one part where she's like talking to the security guard and like, she's able to bring up all these details of her past. And it's like, yeah, it seems legit. And then her boyfriend, Sam like goes, huh, you got all that from her screensaver. And, you know, it shows her screensaver and, like, the screensaver has a picture of her family and stuff. And it's like, hmm, that's also plausible.
0: Yeah, like, Alma seems surprised by that because she yeah. thought she was using this power to, like, feel this woman's emotions or whatever. Yeah. But then you're sort of questioning it. And
1: on that note, I want to sort of talk about how the ending hit me because I watched it so long ago. Yeah. Because like I said, this show sort of felt like a fever dream to me. I couldn't remember its name. I couldn't remember when it came out. It popped in <laughs> my head every once in a while. Like, what happened to that show? That was pretty cool. And when I finally saw the the ads for season two, I was like, oh, my God, it's real. Ah! But like when I finally came back into it, uh, like I started season two. Uh, and during the recap, I was like, oh fuck i have no idea what happened so i went back i rewatched the last episode of season one and i will say i don't know what my experience was two and a half years ago when i first watched it because it sort of faded from my memory but the impression that stuck with me was that this was a story about her discovering her fa- her powers and i totally forgot about the doubt that they sowed yeah and about the nature of uh, of, pot- of potentially mental illness in this story so coming back to it it was it it felt very meta to me that the show was calling this into question and then me the viewer i watched the last episode again i'm like no this was all so cool you can't tell me this isn't actually happening no fuck off like i got really like surprised because <laughs> i totally did not remember that aspect of the show yeah um, and rewatching the last episode of season one, it, it felt very salient to me like, oh, this is the point the show is making, and I am also getting upset about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, we, this, this, the answer to this ambiguity is 1000% addressed once you watch season two. But I, the way season one ends, it, it does not to. feel well. Yeah. I don't, I don't I, know. I, I mean, it does I, not I, feel I, like yeah, a, I, I have thoughts on that. Well, we'll get into it when we start talking about season two, but. My broader point is that, like, when you watch season one, at least in my opinion, it doesn't feel like a cliffhanger of, like, a, oh, I can't wait till next season where we get to find this out. It feels that like... I would have been cool
1: if that was, like, the end of the show. Yeah,
0: if season one ended and there was no season two, this would feel like an entirely complete story to me. Yeah. Yeah,
1: which is impressive. That
0: ambigu- ambiguous ending really worked for me and i yeah. i love season two and i love what it does but i do agree that uh, like you know with some criticisms that have been levied towards it whereas like season two i mean i i think it swings back around to leaving it maybe a little bit ambiguous but i, I
1: think it explicitly does i was that's something i want to talk about yeah. a little later on
0: but it um it at, at first at least does appear to answer the question and there's part yeah. of that it sort of feels like it, it, it yeah. makes it a different experience. Whereas I think that season one ending just like that is a very strong package. And I think the combination of season one and season two is a really strong package. But they sort of feel like almost different things. You know I, what I mean?
1: <laughs> I w- I'm going to definitely take a different stance on that once we yeah. once we get into it. Because I think that the only other ambiguous ending like this that I can think of... Uh, in something that I really enjoyed is, uh, I think of Inception. Yeah, I was
0: going to say Inception. Yeah, like
1: explicitly the ending of Inception, which is there is is he in the dreamer? Is he not? He spins the top, the top wobbles, it cuts away. This to me feels very much like that. The movies, the movie is obviously very different from the show, but yeah. like in terms of having an ambiguous ending that doesn't feel like a cop out. I think this is an enormous success, season one, because whether you accept that she is mentally ill and is going to get help from her loving family, or you accept that she has these powers and is affecting time, either answer is satisfying to the story they have told up to that point and supported by every aspect of the production and the style of it. I think my biggest criticism, it's nice that the episodes are so short. They're all around 20 minutes. It's eight episodes a season, so it is, it is very easy to cruise through. Yeah. But I think my biggest criticism, and this is coming mostly from my recent memories of season two, is because of the shorter time, sometimes the dialogue is a little too practical. Yeah. A little to keep the viewer in the moment, move to the next plot point. They're like pr- again, wonderfully acted, wonderfully portrayed, but a lot of a lot of stopping and looking to camera like, "But wait, this is what we're doing, and these are the consequences of those actions. Okay, let's go. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't feel as cheesy as like a kids' movie, but it. The, yeah, I
0: can definitely see a bit of that. After a,
1: after a few episodes in a row, I, I feel like that is maybe like the only weakness of the writing, and I think that just has to do with the short time. But when you're talking about the amount of work that goes into this animation style, I don't think you can afford making a much longer show.
0: Yeah, I, but I think that it also. It's good that it's shorter overall, though, especially since the actual, like, the actual plot line of, uh, I mean, how do I say this in a way that makes sense? The Like, the present time that they're in yeah. doesn't actually span that long of a time. I mean, the whole, you know, they, yeah. they travel way back to, like, you know, when they were kids or whatever, but the actual, like, you know, days passing in the present doesn't span that long of a time, so I feel like it's sort of important that it since it's so short, and it's so bingeable, like uh-huh. things that happen in episode one are very easy to like still remember in episode yeah. eight. And you might not get that as much if it were a little bit more drawn out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've been talking around it, but I think it's probably a good time to get into what season two does. Because season two does a lot of the same things, but it also does a lot of very different things.
1: The, yeah. Um, I, I mean, so we've talked obviously a long time now about season one yeah do we want to like jeff do you and i want to like discuss our impressions of it or do we want to straight try to summarize the plot because it is i think more plot dense yeah in ways that can be like a little convoluted i want
0: to at least hit the major points of the plot before we talk about our yeah. impressions of it just so we've got that context especially you know for sure for chowder too so he can contribute to the conversation yeah
1: no that's that's very fair I mean, Chowder, before I move into it, do you have any other thoughts on your experience so far? Or, like, thoughts about what you would want out of the season two?
2: I I really don't know what to expect yeah, out of- it. give us a th- guess.
0: What do you think's gonna happen? I guarantee you'll be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah I, I I don't know what to expect out of season two, you know? So, fuck, just blow my mind, I guess.
1: So, season two picks up right where the first episode, uh, the, la- the first season leaves off. Zoom into the cave- crazy expression on Alma's face nobody comes out but there is this lady in a in a in a pink sweater who's there and she chats her up and then she's like cool uh all right my dad didn't come out let me go talk to my sister and the lady's like what sister where what are you talking about and she's like huh so Alma starts calling her family to discover her sister's marriage is not on the rocks her dad is alive the past has been changed hip hip hooray it works she goes home and starts trying to, like, relate to everything, and her dad is like, listen, I am so happy this worked, but I will not risk undoing this again, so you need to stop talking about this. Um, the mechanic they describe is, like, Alma retains the memories of this version of her that she just, like, overwrote in the timeline. Yeah. But she's primarily acting from the character that we saw in season one, so they don't have to, like... Answer the question, why does she know this? She's a college professor. And she's like, I'm a professor? That's dumb. Yeah. And the thing that sort of sets up the mysteries for season one is she tries to access her powers again, despite her dad's warnings. And she kind of can't. Every time she tries to see through time, she's greeted by a fog and a door. This starts to unravel a mystery where her mother is, even though her her dad is back, her mother is unhappy and unwell. Her sister has powers as well and just tries to ignore them and alma just keeps pulling at her sad mother her scared dad and her ignorant sister until they discover that their mother is keeping a secret over the course of the first several episodes you come to find out you think that the mother is having an affair but it turns out she has a son that she never told the family about oh and that this son who still lives in mexico is unwell and unhealthy and eventually alma gets to the point where she's like we gotta go Get her to admit this to us. Because if she talks to us, we can help her.
0: Yeah, because basically, like, they realize that this is a very, like, fixable problem if they go back and basically convince the mother, because there was a turning point, which we'll get into in, in a sec, but there was a turning point where she decided to, like, not go and, like, readopt her son that she had when, when she was too young. Um mm-hmm. And as a result of this, the son grows up not knowing his mother... And he starts working for, like, an oil rig and gets silicosis because he's, like, breathing in all of the bad shit,
1: you know? As far as the pacing for season two, everything I just described is, like, the first five episodes. Yeah. And season two is,
2: like, also eight episodes or also the same? It's also eight, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we don't actually meet the sun until, like, episode, like, five or... yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And... And I will say the pacing of it surprised me. I was like, oh, this doesn't really feel like it's building to as big of a climax. But the last three episodes (laughs) do so much heavy lifting, my God. Because, Jeff, that turning point that Jeff just mentioned, where the mother was like, I would like to go readopt my son and decided not to, is that the dad's mother, so almost grandmother, the one that was in the asylum, the one that was said to be diagnosed with Geraldine, diagnosed with schizophrenia, in the past told the mom don't do it don't readopt your son leave him and that is like that's the inflection point that led to the sadness in this timeline yeah so then they go back to figure out what happened with geraldine back in like you know as the nazis were crossing europe geraldine was a was a, a young jewish girl living i believe in poland, poland. Roko.
0: yeah uh
1: and Because and was having visions as a child the same way Alma does she did not warn her parents that the Nazis were about to take them and watched her parents die and that is the trauma that Geraldine lived with So they go back to try to stop that it exhausts the dad to the point of near death to do that and then that dominoes forward telling the mom to readopt the son the whole line of causality ripples forward and we end the season in a future in a present where yeah, we get like
0: a, a third timeline basically.
1: Yeah. We we end we end it in a timeline where the son was always there with the family. Uh you know, Alejandro is the son, Becca's the sister, Alma's the lead character. They lived happily with their mother and father. The grandmother seemed to not be in an insane asylum. Right. Um uh And it's, everything seems like so happy, but Alma's mental fog and the door is still there. She still can't access her powers. The way the season ends is she looks into the original timeline at the end of season one and sees Alma sitting at the cave waiting for her dad and says, I have just experienced a life where my father lives. He ultimately died trying to save his mother, and I accepted that death because it was best for everybody. I need to give that acceptance of loss to the me that I left behind. Yeah. So Alma leaves the happy timeline, merges with herself the way her father had done before, and goes back to the the timeline where the dad never came out of the cave and and goes back to the season one ending of like, what if it didn't happen? But she's okay with it now. She's okay that she couldn't save her dad. And all of season two was a journey to get to that point. And I...
0: You know, I really wonder if if there's going it like, is there going to be a season three? Because it also yeah, confirmed it ends a little bit ambiguous also in that. I mean, obviously, you don't know if that all happened and she just merged with herself or, you know, if she's just yeah. like starting the journey of acceptance to like dealing with her mental health yeah. issues. But also, like, we don't really get to see the result of the fact that she goes back and merges with herself. Yes. We just get a vague sense that things seem like they're gonna be okay and she's gonna work through it, but we don't know the details of that.
1: And and here's where I wanna take make my stand to address your complaints about season two, Jeff. It's oh, not really uh, not concerns, but yeah. like your your opinions on it. Right. Um I thought the ambiguous ending of season one was part of what made it so strong. Yeah. And at the beginning of season two, when she meets her dad in this timeline, it's like... It's like, oh, okay. It, it does, it does <laughs> yeah. seem to like, oh, okay, it's it's not ambiguous, yeah. it's definitive. We don't have to be talking I, about I, mental health anymore. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. Except except I... And the whole season, I agree, I felt a little like... I feel like the show kind of lost something by giving up that ambiguity and losing that duality. And I think the finale of season two, at least for me absolutely reclaimed it Yeah, because her crossing back into herself could again be perceived as either a she's been manipulating time this whole time or b all of season two was her mental illness and her working through it in her head via these fantasies slash delusions whatever they may be to reach a point of acceptance and it is still ambiguous to the point where i don't think you can argue either one yeah definitively at season two is not explicitly stating the ambiguity the way that season one is, but it carries through. And I, the whole season, I was like, they can't, they can't walk back from this. They've gone so deep into sci-fi. They cannot walk this back. And they walked it back. Yeah. perfectly I'm, like,
2: I'm impressed. They managed to walk that back. Yeah. No, it's Cause like, because like my thought was season two, they have to like either, decide oh this is in fact a time travel story Mm -hmm. or this is a mental illness story crossed with generational trauma story Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i guess the time travel story is also crossed with generational traumas too so yeah
1: i firmly believe that the writers probably have made that made that decision but they are without a doubt Being extremely smart about how they present that to us, yeah. Uh, And I, I, because I sincerely hope the show never answers the question. When we said that we were talking about undone season two in our planning chat, our friend Keenan looked at it. He was like, "Oh no, there's a second season." And I, I will bet you that that response came from the fear of I don't want them to answer the question. Yeah. And God bless them, they don't.
0: Well, because I mean, yeah, I mean, not to speak too much for Keenan, but we had a conversation about it afterwards privately, and he was basically saying that. He thought that the way that season one ended wasn't ambiguous. He thought that it was definitively like a mental health thing and that it was all in her head, which is not the oh, impression okay. that I got, but you know, we're not going to get no. too much into that because I'm not, you know, then I'd just be presenting Keenan's argument. But no, the impression <laughs> I got was,
2: yeah, amb-
0: ambiguous. Yeah. Um, but because yeah. like I will, I will like jump onto that train and also say, it's notable about the fact that they walked it back because season two is very different from season one in that season one, there's a lot more of this like trippiness going on where, you know, things are happening really Mm -hmm. nonlinearly. Whereas in season two, a lot of it is like a lot more plot based and something that's never really brought up out loud until it's kind of you know brought to a head at the end but is always sort of this like lingering thing that i was picking up on is the fact that like all of these characters are treating their lives as if oh we just have to go back to this point and fix it yes whereas you know in real life with you know for mo- even in this world most people who don't have this power don't get that choice you know they have to just yeah. like live with the fact that you know that things aren't great and find ways to kind of like come up to that you can't just necessarily go back and fix one thing and that the that will mm-hmm. be the ripple effect that that saves everyone's lives and even and, even if the yeah. sci-fi is real i th- i still think it makes that point in the fact that them going back and doing this essentially causes the father in this di- in th- this timeline to die prematurely mm-hmm. he still had a much longer life than he did in the original timeline but you know alma still has to yeah. accept like hey these are the consequences of the things that happened and we can't just go back and keep trying to change it because it's only going to keep creating yeah. these situations and we should just and- be happy with the the timeline that we've got because like that was my main thing is that like And why I was really in the question of whether there's a a season three coming or whatever is because like when we go back at the end of season two, you know, we've got two choices. One, it was all in her head, you know, all of the like new context and stuff that was added in season two about all these things that happened to Geraldine and all the stuff with Alejandro Mm. that might not even be reality, right? Or yeah.
1: two... Hence the asterisk on her lineage, right. as it is described to us.
0: Or, or two, all this time stuff did happen, and I was sitting there at the end of season two, the one big complaint that I had, as I was like, but what about Alejandro? Does Alejandro exist in this timeline? Because the only thing they changed... We, we saw him. No, no, no. The only thing they changed in timeline number two, though, was going back to the father his death right all of the stuff with Alejandro being born would have happened before that right so notionally if this is a time travel story and it's not just like a mental health thing Alejandro still Mm -hmm. exists
1: but oh, you're saying oh, you're saying in the prime timeline that we watch in season one and end up in does
0: he still get silicosis and die?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's the th- well because the whole mystery of season two is that the mother Camila is is keeping Alejandro a secret. Yeah. She's like she has a lot of trauma around the decisions she made around him and that stuff. Uh, assuming what we saw was true, yeah. if it was what actually happened with Camilla, then Alejandro exists. If it was all a fever dream Bye. of Alma, then Alejandro does not exist. But that's, like, that's and the, I, um, I don't think it breaks anything. I'm curious, but I don't think it breaks anything. I, well,
0: that's the one thing that brings, no, I don't think it breaks anything. I just think the one thing that kind of makes me question the uh, the like time travel, as opposed to the mental yeah. health thing more than anything, is the fact that in the original timeline, and there might even be hints to this that I'd have to go back and I wouldn't have picked up on while watching the first time, but there isn't this struggle that the mother is having. Yeah. Because, like, we see her, right, in the, in the new timeline, and she's, like, clearly upset. We get a shot of her crying on the bed. There's yeah. all this stuff that's going on. And at first, you know, your inclination is thinking, like, oh, she's unhappy now because, like, she's stuck in this loveless marriage and, like, all that thing. Mm-hmm. And then we find out later that it actually doesn't necessarily have to do with the marriage. It's about her son, right? So yeah. if that were the case... In the original timeline, whether or not the father is there shouldn't change the fact that she's got this son. If anything, it would just make her more no. likely to to like bring him into the family, you know, without trying to hide I, I th- it from the I father. Think there
1: are, I, I think that this this beca- this becomes its own conversation, its own exercise about yeah. sort of spooling out the two ways that this could be interpreted in either timeline, yeah. quote unquote. Um, I th- the fact that we are seeing this through the unreliable narrator of alma means that it it, it doesn't functionally matter yeah.
0: yet well, unless no, but we I get guess, a season guess... 3
1: it's one of those questions that the show poses that makes the next season interesting yeah. just like season 1 had all these questions about her wellness and you're like how are they going to answer those satisfyingly in season 2 yeah. and the magic trick of season 2 is that it doesn't it doesn't but with so many more questions now It makes you wonder what a season three could even be.
0: Right, because it makes me wonder, like, in the original timeline, like, did the mother have this close relationship with Geraldine? And, like, because we get it. Yeah,
1: because there's no talk of that either. Yeah,
0: because we get a question in in episode one of season one where, or maybe episode two, I don't know. But Alma is asking about Geraldine, and the mother is like, oh yeah, you know, she's kind of like short with her, right? So that could either Mm -hmm. be like, oh yeah, she actually didn't know her very well. Or it could be, this is a hint that, yeah, actually she knew her and she had this bad experience with her and this is why they stopped talking to each other and that that is still present in this timeline. Because there was like a weirdness to that interaction that was never like brought up again in season one, I felt. Well, uh, well,
1: another counterpoint to that is in season two, in, in the course of the season... Uh Jacob the dad tells Alma like, Oh, your mother and Geraldine were close, and she's like, I never knew that. Yeah. So, what we see in season one could either contradict season two or just be she had a limited perception of it because she is a child. Yeah. And this ties into something else I watched recently that I do not believe you guys have watched. Um so some mild spoilers for Star Trek Picard season two.
2: Uh. Oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> gotcha.
1: I wa- I finished Picard season two before I watched Undone season two. I am astonished that two drastically different shows came out with basically the same storyline <laughs> right next to each other in season twos of their shows. It is alarming how similar the narrative is. Mean, there's an episode
2: shown. of the original Next Generation where, like, Picard, like, goes back to a time uh-huh. he messed up and regretted it changed it. he's like you know i shouldn't mess with the past and then like yeah he was like
1: i don't like this horrible thing i thought was the source of my trauma was the source of strength um and i think what undone season two and picard season two do differently is it's less like this trauma is the source of my strength it is also explicitly this trauma is the source of my trauma yeah and i don't know how to deal with that so, uh, and I mean, the the strength of classic next-gen episodic storytelling is that you can tell that story about reassessing your past in 45 minutes and be done with it. Both of these are uh, undone and Picard are much longer stories. And I mean, I don't want to like just get into Star Trek cast because I do that way too much anyway. <laughs> but I, I think comparing the two is interesting for two reasons. One, Star Trek is, ex- Picard is explicitly sci-fi adventure, heavily serialized,
0: yeah, people would be very angry if it turned out there was some ambiguity ambiguity to whether or not this all took place in Picard's head.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that would have been would have been would have been a bit of a problem, but the the supporting stories around this central journey of the main character are so wildly different yeah. and Picard season 2 as an entity is is a less coherent story. I will say um I that sounds like a backhanded compliment, but it is it is just it is sprawling. And so much, like, if you thought the back end of Undone Season 2 does heavy lifting, just wait till the last two episodes of this. I don't think it falls apart like the stuff in Season 1, but you're watching it. I'm having a great time, and I'm watching it just like, how many things have happened in this episode? This is insane. (laughs)
2: Uh, The thing that's, like, coming to my mind is uh, the Season 5 to Season 5 of Rick and Morty. uh, At the end of Rick and Morty, like, Evil Morty, like, reveals that, like, uh. The multiverse, like all the Rick Sanchez's, like created a wall between like all the universes where Rick is the most powerful person in the universe, and like all the universes where he's not. And God, that is just a fucking salad of words there. Uh, but it sure was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, how do
1: how do I explain like, this in a in a coherent way? No, I, hey. I
0: got that 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 made sense to me, but that's also because I've I, seen I, it. I
1: understand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have not seen it, so I'm I'm very curious. The point that you're going to make,
2: yeah. So, you know, it ends with like evil evil Morty, like actually being able to like get through that barrier into a new universe. But what it required him to do was like kill a fuck ton of rick sanchez's and morty's in order to do that (laughs) uh and that's very cool and uh i i guess like i'm bringing this up because like regardless of whether in undone it's all all the time travel stuff is real or just in her head the metaphor it's bringing up is very clear about how like the traumas are messy and like intersect with like your past and your family's past yeah in a way that's hard to untangle especially if you're so used to seeing things in a linear order Mm -hmm. and like you know everything in rick and morty is very much happening probably i mean i guess multiverse makes it very (laughs) weird uh but like you know the meta the metaphor i always saw with like evil morty is that of a of a, an abusive relationship, yeah. You know, the, him like killing all these alternate universe versions of himself is kind of like how like when working you, through it when you have to like cut off a toxic person from your life, it's like you're mm-hmm. killing every potential version of you that would have been with that, yeah. And like, I, I guess, like, uh, the ending of season two where she just looks at her life before all the uh, time travel shenanigans happens, she's like thinking, do I want to get rid of this version of myself?
1: Yeah. Yeah, basically. And I I think that is an excellent comparison. And to button up my Star Trek thing with that, it's without spoiling the the storyline itself, at the end of the season, Picard has finally like identified and admitted the trauma to himself. And he makes a decision to ensure that it will happen again. In sort of that same way where it's like all three of these stories are very, very different, but they all thrust this main character through the journey of accepting yeah. that a horrible, terrible thing is going to happen to them. And even though Undone is the only one that explicitly calls that into question, it still provides like the circumstances of that journey into question... I, it's. It seems as though they all deliver on that journey. Yeah,
2: they're all doing what sci-fi does. Is yeah, using sci-fi craziness to like make sense of the world. Yeah, yeah. where yeah. traditionally we think of of more like societal and world development things. In those three, it's more about interpersonal stuff. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, well, that's. I mean, to your to your point about like classic Star Trek versus modern Star Trek. Classic Star Trek is very um here are practical issues, here are professional ways of dealing with things. And modern Star Trek is very much feelings, <laughs> emotions. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I think that that is I think the our current evolution of sci-fi being okay, how do we take these constructs that we've built up as a means of commentary and turn them inward? Uh and I like seeing these three different lenses. In, in on one hand, I think where and and I'd love to hear your opinion once you watch season two Chowder. I think where Undone succeeds is it never stops looking inward. Yeah. The entire show is that introspection, whether it's saying it out loud or not, that's what's happening. And even if you feel like it didn't, it reframes itself in that way toward the end, not as a retcon, but just as like a perspective adjustment, yeah. where I think, I think the weakness comes from, again, some of those dialogue criticisms I had where I'm in this emotional journey and the plot is being restated to me by three very intelligent adults. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like, yes, I understand this. We can move forward. It's a complex story, so I, like, I get it. And you only have 20 minutes. You have like roughly 20 pages of script to tell this story. And only so much money to animate these frames that you're shooting, you have to be so economical about it. Yeah. I think that the that's the only way it undercuts it is I with Undone, my biggest complaint is I want to live in this the telling of this story longer. I think Picard as a speechmaker of a character gives more interesting dialogue and meditation on this, even if the show doesn't support the thesis as strongly. Yeah. And I would love to- I'm I'm almost interested to see an Undone season three just to get more time in this world even if it changes things even if it disappoints me i want to explore this more deeply because i think it's set up in such a compelling way yeah
0: i will say that like the ending of season two compared to the ending of season one like though i already knew there was a season two when i watched season one i i I still firmly say believe that like the ending of season one could have been a complete ending like i didn't i I didn't end with it being like oh but i want to know whereas I will say that the way that season two spun around when season two ended, I was kind of like, no, 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 no. No, I do need to know the answer to this, or at least, <laughs> like, I, I was, even if I don't, I don't need, know, to, I, I, even if I don't need to know the answer, I need. It, it felt a little bit like ambiguous in the way that, like, there were still questions I had about things, like, from one way or the other, that felt very yeah. relevant to like how I felt about it. Mainly the mm. fact of like even if this is all just a mental health journey and there is no time dilation, like, I need to know whether or not Alejandra exists, and I need to know whether or not he's... <laughs> Here's
1: the th- I guess... I-, I-, I think I can see the tension pulling you and I in slightly different directions yeah. here, is my reaction to season two was the same as your reaction to season one in terms of the ending. Yeah. I saw that ending and I was like, God, there are two totally different ways that this could shake out, possibly more. But I, again, I feel like an extension of either side of that journey... Would answer the questions I had in season two satisfactorily. Yeah, now, it's not that it's it's not that I can't. It's not like I need to know the answers, and it's not like I don't care about the answers. It's that whichever answer I get, I will be happy. Yeah. and that is that is a unique balance to strike. And I think at yeah. least for me, both season finales did that. Well, I, I I guess that's just me. The
0: the thing with season one is that the the endings, like the two potential endings, felt like they sort of landed on the same kind of note. Whereas, like, Mm -hmm. either, you know, uh, well, I guess there's even really three potential endings. Either, like, it's all real and it worked, or Mm -hmm. it's all real and it didn't work, or it's not real, right? Like, those are kind of the three potential endings. Yeah. Right? Whereas, like, you know, leaving it in that ambiguous spot, like, the the ideas of, oh, it was all real, but it didn't work. So you still have to come to terms with, like, the fact that this all
1: you know to focus on the framing of both seasons endings though it, it, your your potential third option of of you know the dad doesn't come out of the cave so uh, so maybe all this stuff is real. It just didn't work in this instance. I think for the sake of Alma's journey, that doesn't matter because yeah. for her journey, what's important is whether she believes it or not. Right. And th- that's, and, that's... And, and and I think that leaning into that is, I, I hope that's where it goes next, but it's what season two did that I think made it work.
2: Yeah. Something that didn't immediately come to my mind until just now when we're talking, but like this story has a strong resemblance to a Kurt Vonnegut book, uh, slaughterhouse five in which a war veteran like re-experiences his life via like time dilation and like experiences his life in a non-linear order and it's a very heavily anti-war kind of story and a very big look into this sort of semi-autobiographical journey of this character who may resemble the author Kurt Vonnegut and uh, uh, I I don't know it came to me because it's an example of like sci-fi that's like doing this thing and i wish i knew more about the book i haven't actually read it unfortunately Mm -hmm. although now i want to
0: i mean i don't know (laughs) part of the thing about this series is that like i feel like it walks this interesting line between like escapism sort of fantasy like wouldn't it be nice Mm -hmm. if we could actually figure these things out and these people could actually make meaningful changes in their lives by going back in time uh, it walks a line between that and like, oh, is this just a mental health struggle that they're having to figure out? And do they need to come to terms with the fact that like, you know, bad things happened in the past, and we need to be okay with those things, not just try to go back and change yeah. them. And it walks a really weird line between those two things. Whereas like, you know, I was sitting there being like, this sort of feels like it's all going to have to come to a head where someone's going to have to make the decision like, we can't change things. We have to just let things be and take the new perspectives and information that we found from doing this and use that to like, you know, improve our situations in the present, which is how a lot of time travel stories go. But at the same time, I'm watching it and being like, I, you know, I'm thinking like, well, it, it's clearly gonna have to do that at some point. But I'm also thinking, you know, especially like in, you know, the middle of season two, when we found out about Alejandro, I'm like, but it would be pretty nice if we could prevent Alejandro from yeah. fucking getting silicosis yeah. from working a horrible yep. job. Like, I would really like that. Um, that would be which is, nice. I think why when we ended season two and it, it was left up in the air of like, oh, did Alejandro even exist? Like, I'm like, OK, even if we decide that this, you know, that we're not <laughs> changing things, yeah. like if we decide like, OK, she's going back like, let's say the time travel is is all real, but she still goes back into this new timeline. I was left with the questions of, well, is she going to confront her mother and, and tell her she knows about Alejandro? And then even if you can't go back in time and stop him from getting this disease, are we still going to bring him into the family and, and make him feel wanted and maybe give him good medical yeah. attention? Like, that's where I was like wondering, like, I need to know all the answers to these, these things. Whereas like season one left me on a very kind of satisfying note of like, okay, either... It worked or it didn't work. And you're going to have to like really come to terms with the fact. Because yeah. it feels like the, the show does kind of land in a middle ground there where it's just like... Well, that I mean, yeah, that's the fine line you were saying. Right. Like it doesn't take a hard stance on like if you had this power, should you go back and change things? It, it You'd sort no. of expect no, the story doesn't. to say... No, you shouldn't. But it doesn't really do that.
1: Yeah, that doesn't seem to be the focus of it. It, it
0: doesn't, because, like, when they go into the third ideal timeline, it seems like, aside from the fact that, you know, that the, the father kind of suffered a stroke because of doing all this mime stuff, it, it does still seem like that third timeline is the best, right? Like, they went back and they changed things, and it actually worked. And... The show is smart about that in leaving it into question as to whether or not that all actually happened, and it's kind of leaving it up to the viewers to decide whether or not that's realistic, but it doesn't go with the story of, like, even if you can, you shouldn't, which I appreciate just because, like... You know, yeah. the, I I think that's a fine message to have, but it is kind of like the message that a I, lot of time travel stuff has, you know.
1: It, it is and, and it it this does fully sidestep it. Yeah. I think my final thoughts before we move into the ratings at, uh, eventually yeah. is um to comment on your th- I guess the dissonance of trying to reconcile these two things and watching the line the show walks between these vantage points mm-hmm. I think is reflected perfectly in the art style. Yeah. Which is walking a very strange line between an animated show and a live action show to the point where there are times where all I can focus on is the, is the animation and times where I forget I'm watching an animated show altogether. Yeah. And like we paid lip service to it at the top of this conversation, but like that dreamlike quality I, I it has to be intentional. Even in the mundane moments I was complaining about where it's like, this is, why do you need an animated show to show someone walking down a street? It's because even when you're just watching someone walk down a street through this perspective, it is simultaneously two things. And uh, even though I am not, I don't need to know the answers to all the questions that you're asking me personally. Um, I just want it to keep walking that line.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a real strength of the show. And I, I guess, like, I don't know, my main thing, and I, I don't know, you could call this a criticism, but like, I, I think that as it is right now. I, I can't totally parse out the, the, the difference, but for me, season one felt like a satisfying ending with its ambiguity, whereas season two felt like I don't necessarily need an answer to the questions, but I, I sort of need a third season that ends with its own ambiguity to make that feel complete. Like The end of season two mm. felt like a less complete ending to me than the end of season one, and I, I can't totally parse out the difference there, but... Yeah. It, that I don't know. That's where I'll I'll, I'll leave that. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, agree to disagree, and I'm curious what Chowder will say when he eventually watches it. Mm. Yeah.
0: But yeah, Chowder, I mean, do you, I mean, well, really, either of you. But Colin, you just kind of gave your last big thing there, Chowder. Do you have anything else to add before we move on into the ratings?
2: Not really. I think I said what I wanted to say. Made the comparisons I wanted to make. Uh, otherwise, All it's right. just a matter of me watching season two.
1: Yeah. And and I I hope that even though we we talked about the main thrust, I think you'll still get a lot of joy out of watching it because yeah yeah
0: there, I mean there's a lot of little details in there and like oh, really yeah. hard characterization of the mother that I think and also like really making Becca much more of a a character yeah. in season two. She as got well. she
1: got she got her fucking run this season. Yeah. and I'm here for it.
0: The only the only one who's really missing is is, is poor Sam is is hardly in season two at all. But. Uh, <laughs> yeah, rip. which for reasons that I won't bother spoiling because it's not really worth yeah. talking about. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on into the ratings. All right, thank you both for a very fun discussion. Uh, now we're going to be moving on to the ratings section, where each of us are going to rate the topic on a scale from one to ten. I mean, the, the obvious one that sticks out of my head is one to ten alternative timelines, but...
1: <gasps> one to ten cochlear implants. What? The main character oh, of Alma uh, is... Yeah,
0: we didn't even fucking is, talk about it
1: that. Is deaf Goddamn, and this and has show, a cochlear implant. This
0: show just handles,
1: like, everything diverse
0: so, representation so fucking well. I can't...
1: Because it's not even a consideration. Yeah. You can make it through the whole show and be like, oh, crap, I didn't realize that they were, like, drawing on so many different things. Yeah, like, there's the whole thing about fucking,
0: you know, like, they in season one, there's this whole sort of flashback that's going into, like, you know, Sam's whole timeline and his experience, like, immigrating from India and yeah. the, fi- the fucking how the mental health stuff relates to the fact that, you know, she had this different experience with growing up deaf and then deciding whether or not to get this... Oh, there's so much. Anyway, we, I, I could fucking I check. could go on, and I'll touch back on some of that stuff in my own rating. But for now, uh, yeah, scale from one to ten. That that's an option. One to ten uh, butt humps. That's that's an option.
1: We've had a very mature and thoughtful conversation today. I am going to vote out of character for myself against butt humps as the measurement. What, what are you doing? I'm humping your butt. <laughs> It I, is a very funny show love, as well. Oh
0: my god! Again, I'll, right, talk, pick a I'll scale. talk. I want to talk about it. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's do time. Let's do alternate timelines. One to ten alternate timelines. All right. Uh, Colin, you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, Nine out of ten. The show kicks ass. It is not very often that I can watch a trailer. Like I could catch a trailer running on a GIF out of the side of my eye on a website I'm scrolling through, <laughs> and immediately say, I want to watch. All of that, top to bottom, everything about this show is so well realized. With the exception of some of the minor criticisms I've levied against it, which I think are less flaws and more like the cost of the show that is being made. Yeah, everything about this show works for me. It's even if I, if you muted it and I couldn't see any and I couldn't hear any of the dialogue. I would love to look at it. If you turned off the TV and I had to listen to it like a podcast, I would be sucked into the story. The fact that you get both is just a delight. Uh, the the subtleties in, in Rosa Salazar's, like, really electric performance. Like, I, yeah. you, there's so much vibrancy in what is kind of a mundane portrayal of something. Like, really, it's, it's the energy of, like, a quirky teen in a high school coming-of-age story. And then injected into this really head spinny tail yeah and it's it's spinning all these plates it is walking these very fine lines between very very different things visually audibly narratively and it always works and for all the disappointment hanging in my heart during season two that they spoiled the end of season one i i more than anything i was surprised that I was wrong. Like, I was watching the show and I'm like, I literally can't conceive. Not, it, sometimes you're watching something and you're like, I don't know how they're gonna fix it, but I can, I'm anticipating them fixing it. The whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, I literally can't imagine them bringing this back to what I loved about the show, and they did. Yeah. Uh, nine out of 10, I mean, it's got its flaws They are so minor, especially with how bingeable it is, everyone should watch this show. Yeah. It is, it is something to behold.
0: Alright. Yeah. Chatter, how do you feel? I mean, obviously you're talking about just season one yeah. as of right I'm now. Yeah, I'm just
2: talking so. season one but, like, I really liked it. Like, the art style, while some getting used to I think works, and like, once you get used to it, it just like you just kind of accept it and
1: roll with it. Uh, it's like sitting down in a 3D movie the first ten minutes, you're like,
2: ugh! And then you're like, that's fine. Mm, yeah. Except with 3D movies it's like I don't really think it's
0: like,
1: like th- why is it in 3D the 3D <laughs> doesn't really add much
2: whereas like the rotoscope and art in Undone actually enhances it the actors yeah. are great uh I'm glad that wasn't Kevin Spacey uh and it yeah. was in fact o- Odenkirk uh yeah and like I think they do a great job in like getting that dream like vibe like I've definitely had dreams that feel like this movie uh And I think, like, just the emotions of the story hit well. And, yeah, no, I give it a 9 out of 10. Good shit. Uh, Hopefully none of those alternate universe versions of me end up in a fucking blender like in Rick and Morty, but yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I I think I'm going to land pretty much on the uh, the same exact line as both of you. Um, Like, for a lot of the same reasons that we've talked about, I really appreciate, like... Even, you know, even if I feel like season two is a less satisfying ending than season one, I still feel like it had a lot of really strong parts about it, Um, and I really appreciate this sort of like weird line where it walks, where, and, and this is part of the reason where I feel like it doesn't, like the ambiguity doesn't feel like a cop out either, is that no matter which way you spin it, if it's all just a mental health struggle or if it's the actual time, like time stuff, it feels like a really complete story no matter what. Like, no matter... Yeah. That's that's the best way to do the ambiguity of like, oh, this, this has two different equally satisfying messages depending on the way that this goes, but we're just not going to let you know which one that is. And I really appreciate that. And it is like... It the, feels
1: like a magic trick. Yeah,
0: it is the best. Like, even season two, even if I think it wasn't quite as solid as season one in the ending specifically, both of them are by and far, like, the best use of the ambiguous ending that I can think of. And, like, apart from that, apart from all the weird, trippy stuff that it has going around, apart from the, you know, all the, like, the really important kind of messages that it it explores, the characters are just so believable. Like, they all feel so intensely human in, like, the subtleties. They all have, like, these really... Like poignant flaws of, about them. And some of those flaws are addressed in the narrative, and some of them are just left as like hanging human flaws. And I think that's really really important like the only character that even slightly feels like a stereotype is is Reed, uh, Reca- uh, Becca's husband or fiance and even him is like he's kind of a joke character but I, I really do appreciate all of his lines and he even feels pretty believable but like Alma oh my god I relate so fucking hard to like Alma's personality and Alma
1: <laughs> is one of my favorite characters in Anything. She is incredible. Yeah, she is
0: so good, and the acting yeah. is incredible incredible like rotoscoping or no like she's just like completely blown out of the water like the things that she's struggling with regardless if it's mental health or if it's just like you know coming to terms with the fact that you had something bad happen your in your past it's a really both are i think are really relatable things like even the mental health thing like i think it's completely relatable even if you're not a person who has schizophrenia you know and as someone who has like several family members who do have schizophrenia even the ways that they frame her like time dilation stuff with like people thinking her crazy and stuff like that. Like the ways that she interacts with people as a result or maybe not even a result of all this time stuff results in like a very believable realistic take on sort of what it's like to deal with a person who is like dealing with specifically that kind of sect of schizophrenia you know there's a lot of different stuff to get into there and oh my god it it just it works all so well and like yeah it does you know i i'm tempted to even pop it up to 10 for myself honestly though i will say that I, i think i'm gonna leave it at nine just because i am currently at a place and maybe i've not unpacked this enough where i feel like i would not be absolutely satisfied with the ending of season two as is and I feel like there needs to be a season three which is not to say, again, that that needs to, you know, answer any of these questions definitively, because I agree that, like, one of the strengths of the show is to leave it in an a- ambiguous state. But I-, I do sort of want, I don't know, I don't feel totally satisfied with the ambiguous state that it was left in in season two, I guess is what I'll yeah. say. But yeah, no, 9 out of 10. This is a, a really good show, and, like, it-, it definitely feels like the kind of thing where... I mean, I I know that like I know a few people who this probably wouldn't be for, but it doesn't feel like the kind of like sci-fi story where it feels like you have to be into the whole sci-fi concept to enjoy it. Like it, it serves its sort of exploration and the themes that it's looking at a lot yeah. more than it serves like the the like plot elements of like the mechanics of the stuff. Yeah, and it still gives a fair bit of attention to that kind of stuff too, which I I appreciate how it weaves those things together and makes it all feel very like relevant and in place
1: mm-hmm. one last like a side comment about rosa salazar's performance yeah. uh, i watched season one of this before i watched alita battle angel and i also had that <laughs> that that connection in my head of like oh my god it's the same person that's crazy it's same
0: person and they're not entirely live action human in yeah both of them.
1: <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> uh, anyone who doesn't recognize alita Ad- battle angel by name certainly saw the trailer of the movie with the live action anime girl yeah. that's this actress the fact that we now have two performances of this character. Say what you will of that uh, of of the art styles of either of these properties, because it's different sets of artists, it's different pipelines, it's different aesthetics. She shines through both of them so hard yeah. and so powerfully with her performance. You cannot understate it, and it it goes so far into like making. Um, Alma, the, like, really lovable, believable character that she is in the show. She is spectacular. It's
0: especially wild in this, because I really feel like every single person shines in Undone. Mm -hmm. Like, they all feel so believable in the way that, like, oh yeah, even the side characters and, like, you know, characters that we get, like, very little of, they all feel like these are people that you know. Like you've all you've yep. met people like each one of these characters and they're weird sort 100%. of like inconsistencies that never get totally brought up or brought to the present. They're just like vibes about them. Like especially I don't know, like, the dad, especially going into season two when he's got this whole sort of, like, can we just drop it kind of attitude? Yeah. Where, I, yeah. you know,
1: it's just like... <laughs> he fully embraces dad energy. Yeah.
0: And it... Oh, well. man. Okay, I could go on for hours, so I think we're, we, that should yeah. be a good place to... Uh, we almost have. Wrap it up. <laughs> um, but, yeah, thank you all for listening to the Common Geeking program. Again, I have been your host, Jeff Levitt. Uh, if you want to find me uh very not relevant to this but i do a a youtube channel where i do toy reviews that that's alchemist prime reviews um, and again, I've been joined by Colin and Chowder. Uh, either of you have stuff you want to toss out there?
1: Yeah, just because I did it recently. The edit I did for Greatest Discovery on an episode of Star Trek Picard Season 2. I got to see it early with a screener because I'm so cool. Ooh. It was uh, I, I, The Greatest Discovery is a Star Trek podcast and I produced one of their recent episodes. It was a lot of fun. Um, So if you end up going through Star Trek Picard Season 2, it's a great companion show, and I had something to do with it. I'm very happy about that.
2: Good shit. Hi, I'm Tymul, or Chatter, whichever you prefer. You can find me on our sister podcast, Dice Populi, and my Twitter,
0: uh, at Tymul underscore Chowder. Yeah, that'll be all. Wahoo! Good stuff. Uh Yeah, so uh, our next episode is going to be another common briefing program where we look at the geek news for the month of May. Uh, and that'll be airing on the first Friday in May, which will be... Oh, sorry, the first in Friday June. in June. We're, we're past the first Friday in May. And also, that wouldn't make any sense unless we had time dilation powers. Uh, yeah, that'll yep. be airing on the first Friday in June, which will be the third of June. And then our next proper uh, geeking program episode where we do another deep dive on something else will be on or around the third Friday in June, the 17th. But uh, yeah, either way, I uh, thank you all for listening, subscribing, sharing, and everything that you do. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye. ciao and dur. Did you say ciao? I've I said hear. ciao. Oh, I, you, you said it at the same time that con, so I couldn't hear. I was just le- waiting in the air. <laughs> I was like, I need to say dur. Where's my ciao so I can say dur? It's one of the few things I have left. The Common Geeking Program is hosted by Jeff Levitt, joined this episode by Colin Ketchin and Taimel Chowdhury. This episode is sponsored by Butthumps. The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt and features original music by Colin Ketchin. This episode was edited by me, Jeff Levitt. We'd love for you to stay engaged with us on social media at geekingprogram or by using hashtag CGP. If you want to know more about us and all of our other projects, head on over to commongeekingprogram.com. Stay in touch, stay tuned, and as always, thank you for listening to this.
1: I'm recording. I'm recording this, Jeff. This can't still be Jeff. Jeff, no. Jeff.